to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get what up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 326 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? You know, I kept hearing about this stacked August 14th, four fight cards, fights on all day long. Let me tell you something, fight fans. When the second biggest fight of that day <laughs> involves Guillermo Rigondeaux, it ain't that stacked. <laughs> no. No, I I don't know what kind of uh, PR is going on over there at fucking top rank, but just because you got a pair of fucking white twins that can box, <laughs> that's not an attraction. That's an They're Eddie tough. Hearn. That's Eddie Hearn's fat camp. <laughs> They're tough as nails, though, Ken. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, then I mean my my recessive gene DNA. I must watch that. <laughs> oh man. Oh, but. But one of boxing's best and brightest young fighters, one of the most electrifying young performers in the game, Virgil Ortiz, uh, is back in action against Agidius Kavalowskis. So we will uh, pay that fight its respects. Um, we got some, a little, you know, we'll give you our two cents. We'll give you our observations, evaluations, perhaps a score on DeZone's fat camp. Because outside of the Blonde bomber and her bombs. I don't know, bud. There's <laughs> not much of an attraction there. <laughs> oh my gosh, Tony Bellew and Andy Lee as fucking stale as a British cracker. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, we got Canelo versus Caleb Plant again. Maybe it's gonna happen. Maybe it's not gonna happen. I tell you Ooh. what. Man. These guys are doing some serious steroid cycling right now. <laughs> this thing, this thing's all over the place. <laughs> Got to fit in another one right before November, Ken. Oh my gosh, um, Lomachenko versus Devin Haney is this real? Because Uri won't be ducking Devin. Um, uh, it we'll it can't be real. It can't be, Ken. Well, no, not if not if uh, you know you expect to pay both fighters what both fighters expect to earn at this point. No, no, no. We can't make that fight because that fighter, he wants to make what he made in his last fight. <laughs> oh, oh, well, shit. We can't do that. We're top rank. We got to short side somebody here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll dive into uh, what should be an entertaining segment on uh, the former pound for pound king and the email champ himself and a couple questions from our Patreon subscribers. So if you are subscribed to patreon.com backslash boxing rent right now, you're in that pay-per-view clout tier if you have subscribed to it. So you're going to get your swag and you're also going to have your questions answered on the show. And um, who knows, man, we feel froggy, we jump, but most of the time we don't. So don't expect <laughs> much more. Um, but we appreciate all of you subscribing and the questions are great. Uh, keep them coming. Just think about it every week, you know, assume we're going to have a show um, and, uh, you know, get them ready because some of these questions is sus, young. <laughs> <laughs> they real sus. <laughs> they real sus. And I can tell you what, my partner over here, George Animal Steel, he likes to get prepped a little bit on these questions. Uh, you can't be you can't be springing no fucking Jazza Dickens questions on him. You need to watch <laughs> that shit first. 
We ain't ready for that. <laughs> Jazz at Dickens. Man. Dude, when he was being interviewed, before we get to the rest of the show here, when he was being fucking interviewed, like his little fucking thing before the ring walk or whatever, and uh-huh. he's like in his hometown telling stories, I couldn't understand a fucking thing that came out of this guy's mouth, dude. He was speaking some kind of street slang, talking about his parents being heroin addicts. And then Amy's like, what is he saying? Where's this guy from? So, you know, I don't know anything about fucking Jazza Dickens. So I look him up real quick on box rec says he's from Merseyside in Liverpool. <laughs> I was like, well, oh. there you have it. <laughs> the worst fucking accent in the world. You could, oh. you could drop drop somebody from Baltimore, Maryland, into Liverpool. They're they're the the smartest sounding human in within a fucking ten mile radius. <laughs> could you imagine somebody from fucking Liverpool and somebody from Dundalk, Maryland, having a rap battle? <laughs> <laughs> Get your bathing suits. We're going to the ocean, hon. <laughs> Man, fucking Liverpool, Merseyside, where he was at, it kind of looks just like Baltimore. Yeah, I, mean, I bet it does. <laughs> same same issues too. The Ron, the Ron will get you no matter where you're at, man. <laughs> you know, whether you're on the continental or in the 51st state, doesn't matter. You know, it does not discriminate. Oh my god! <laughs> well, thank you all for subscribing, and I apologize to those of you who just unsubscribed. But for all of you that are going to stay subscribed, go ahead and review the show on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate some of you going back. And changing your one star, ah, fuck these greedy motherfuckers back to, I love this podcast. These guys are great. <laughs> it's like, you guys are a fickle bunch, man. You know what I mean? Patty ass motherfuckers, man. But those are the, kind of the same sounds that you get when, when people be hanging from your nuts anyways. You know what I'm saying? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Bitch swinging from my nuts saying wee. <laughs> oh that is money that is money um all right we appreciate uh, uh all of you that do uh review the show uh one way or the other it doesn't matter your honest opinion is all that matters because we give you ours so you give us yours uh follow us on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr watch the video on the boxing rant youtube channel and the boxing rant swag store gonna be posted here in a few days we get mm. to that point Y'all going to mm. be able to rock, you know, do your selfies, do your little fucking, you know, half-wit, mongoloid YouTube car driving videos and shit, right? rocking TBR swag. You know, be like, <laughs> oh, Terrence Crawford, he be ducking fucking Earl Spence. You know, check out my TBR shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you hold our fans in such high regard, Ken. <laughs> oh, hey, man. You start fucking answering the fan mail, okay? <laughs> nope. I'm the human shield for you, okay? I'm the human Twitter shield. You answer the emails, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, you can drop by the website, links to everything. It'll all come together eventually. All these empty promises I've been making over the years, we might keep one or two of them. Uh, but for the meantime, we present you episode 326, of the Boxing Rant Podcast. All right, Vin, let's kick this thing off from Frisco, Texas on zone. Virgil Ortiz versus Agidius Kavalowskis in a really fucking top-notched, well-matched crossroads fight um, between, let's start with Agidius Kavalowskis, a guy that was a highly 
rated prospect. Um, did a lot of damage coming up. There was talks and whispers of the next Triple G. Well, it really didn't work out that way, but what Kavalaskis is, he's a technician. He's solid. He's been in with the best. Um, he's traded leather um, and obviously in the end got the worst of it from Terrence Crawford. So I don't think that Virgil Ortiz, no matter how much we hype him up, is going to intimidate the B-side in this fight. For Virgil Ortiz, this is... You cannot congratulate a young man enough for taking an opponent like this to show everybody, I'm not fucking around here, man. I'm going to knock off everybody I'm supposed to on the way. Now, all this conversation about the WBO mandating uh, Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter and that somehow Virgil Ortiz like sidestepped a fight with Terrence Crawford. We don't need any more fucking prospect champions. Like, I don't need any more Deontay Wilders. I don't need guys that aren't ready, dude. Guys that are 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 propped up in a land of make-believe, a menagerie of your wildest dreams that the masses and the sheeple will follow and devour. We don't need that. We've seen it. It doesn't fucking work. It waters down the product. And then you have mental breakdowns like you get with fucking Ryan Garcia. Yeah. Can't handle the bright lights. Virgil Ortiz is doing this the right way. And... This is, out of all the prospect fights this year, this is the step-up fight that means the most, I think. I mean, dude, this is a great matchup, man. You can't overstate. It may not last long, but this could be electric. Oh, yeah. That's the, 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 the biggest and best part about this fight is, boy, the way these two guys' styles line up, Ken, ah, this fight is, I mean, this is going to deliver on all levels for as long as it lasts. You're talking about a guy in Virgil Ortiz that we saw in his last fight. He's not going to stop coming forward. He's going to put his guard up. He's going to jab his way in. And when he gets in, he's going to unload bombs. And Kavalaskis is the same way. He's not a guy that's going to shy away from the action. And, you know, I know people after that Terrence Crawford fight, they wanted to kind of like, use that as a reason to say, oh, Terrence, caught, Terrence Crawford slipped a little bit. Did you see that? Kavalaskis caught him. He got dropped. I know they didn't call it a knockdown, but it should have been called a knockdown. Look, people, I said it before that fight. I'll say it again right now. You can have whatever your opinion is of Agigius Kavalaskis. The dude is a legit boxer. He is legit. He's been around. He's been a good amateur. He's been in good fights as a pro. He's sturdy as can be. He's strong as can be. He is a fringe top five to ten contender at that weight in different in different sanctioning bodies. He is a guy that really for any fighter on their way up, it, it is not a bad thing to have to go through a guy like the Mean Machine because yeah, it's not going to be an easy night's work no matter what. Just ask Terrence Crawford. That was not an easy night's work. Kavalaskis was able to box right with Terrence for a large portion of that fight and I think surprised a lot of people. You want to say Terrence Crawford slippage, I'm going to say you underrated how good Kavalaskis is as a fighter. You know, just because he struggled against, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't even remember the guy's name he, and got a lucky draw against him. That doesn't, like, uh, he had a bad night. He had a good night against Terrence Crawford, and you can see what he's capable of. If he brings that type of fight to Virgil Ortiz, 
this is going to be a long night for Virgil. I still think Virgil is the better fighter, but I'll tell you what, man, this is not by any means easy work for him. Because most people feel the way I think that we do coming into this fight, right? And that there is that there, there's going to be the tension knowing that, you know, Kavalaskis could take over this fight if, if Ortiz, um, you know, isn't careful and is not prepared. But we talk about this all the time. We see it less and less and less in boxing because people get carried. A lot of boxers are just there to get paid. You know what I mean? Virgil Ortiz doesn't strike me as a Caleb Plant guy just going to skate by. You know what I mean? Like put in the work and just go out and just fight like, you know, a bunch of bum sauces, collect checks, and then, you know, act like everybody's ducking them or something like that. Um, you know, with Virgil Ortiz, this he's the kind of guy that if he is the goods, if he is the hype that, you know, I can speak for myself in particular, uh, you know, I've been driving that fucking train, you know, down the tracks, you know what I mean? Like, if Virgil Ortiz is what I say he is, he's going to do something to Aguidius Kavalaskis that few people are going to predict. And he's going to stop him emphatically. And he's going to stop him um, in a way that defines the very cliche levels to this game. Um, and I think that Virgil Ortiz is that kind of blue chip prospect that he will show his level. This isn't, this isn't Devin Haney where he's got an identity crisis in the ring where he's trying to please fans and he's trying to do his style. And, you know, he's just trying to be everything for everybody. There's no confusion here. This is going to be a matter of, of will. If Virgil Ortiz wills it, he will show us what level he's on. Yeah, man. I, I Look, and listening to an interview with Virgil Ortiz this past week about, you know, all the stuff he dealt with heading into his last fight where he went through COVID in camp, couldn't spar for three weeks, said he was, he put himself at 70 to 75% on fight night. Now, if that was 70 to 75%, and I know that wasn't one of his better performances, but it was a workmanlike performance, and he did what, and he got the job done still, did what he had to do, got him out of there. If that was 70 to 75, and he says he's feeling better than he ever has right now, and I get it. What do you expect the fighter to say in their camp leading up to a big fight? But if he's bringing a hundred percent off of that seventy to seventy-five that I saw, I I, I got to say, as much as I respect Calvalaskis and as much as I think he can make this a fight for you know a handful of rounds or so, there's going to be a spot in the fourth, fifth, sixth round where the tides turn in this fight, and you're going to see very quickly what kind of a destructive fighter that Virgil Ortiz can be. And I think he's going to walk him down, and I think he's going to maul him, Ken. I think he's going to maul him, and I think eight, nine rounds, stoppage, it's done. Virgil Ortiz makes an emphatic statement against a very good fighter that, yeah, Terrence Crawford was able to get a stoppage, but I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he did it the way Virgil Ortiz is going to do it on Saturday. No, and I think it's going to start behind a Virgil Ortiz jab, and it is going to slowly drop into a Virgil Ortiz body attack. Mm -hmm. um, and that is going to be what deflates the air out of Egidius Kavalowskis. You know, and, and I, but I could see it happening. You know, there's an explosive athleticism to Virgil Ortiz. So I could definitely see a one hitter quitter. I mean, that's not, I'm not banking on that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
but he does possess that kind of explosiveness. But I do think that Kavalowskis is tough enough. He likes to operate, you know, stereotypical, um, you know, Eastern European, you know, Western Asian style of fighter, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, some of those fighters can be susceptible to the body. Um, and I think that Virgil Ortiz will show us once again why he has one of the best up-and-coming body attacks to go with a very powerful jab. We talk about jabs all the time in the show. You know, there's been very few absolutely elite devastating jabs. I know that jabs are, you know, used for different purposes. You know, Andre Ward had a hell of a jab, but he wasn't out there, you know, getting you concussions with them, right? Yeah. He his was a tool. You know, and 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 he was a an expert uh, you know, wielder of that tool. But you don't see the Vlad Klitschko jab. You don't see the Gennady Golovkin jab. You don't see the you know, the 2014 Sergei Kovalev jab. Like you just don't see those jabs anymore in boxing. And I sweat Robert Easter's jab. Yep. Virgil Ortiz, if he continues to hone that, focus on that, and deliver everything secondary from behind that jab, but don't pussyfoot it. Don't come in there and be like Jermel Charlo was, right? And be like, all right, yeah, I want to see what this guy's working with. I don't think Virgil Ortiz is going to be overly concerned with that. And if he is... Kavalowskis is the type of fighter that'll be able to take advantage of it, but this will be a level uh, showing performance for Virgil Ortiz. And at the end of this, we're just going to have a bunch of diamond cutters with pre-cum on them because we're going to be really excited for a Jerron Ennis fight. What do you think? Yeah, a, a, a Jerron Ennis fight, a Terrence Crawford fight, a anybody in the top five that's worth a damn in, in the welterweight division. You know, if Virgil Ortiz does what we think he's going to do, which is get behind that jab and, and, and attack with it, and then follow it up with big body shots and follow it up like when we when you talk about a guy like Ortiz, that jab that he has, I, I like to say there's like three types of jabs, right? You got the attacking jab. You got the setup jab and you got the defensive ooh, get away from me jab, right? His is attacking. That motherfucker is going to do damage. And if he uses it the way he's been using it and, and continues to develop the style that we saw in his last fight, forget about it, man. This guy is a fucking major problem for any of these boys at welterweight. And we're going to be ready. Everybody's going to be fucking frothing. <laughs> After this matchup, if he's able to stop Kavalowskis at what the prospects are for him, Boots Ennis, anybody, anybody, we're going to want to see him against what's considered a top five welterweight at that point. Yeah, I mean, isn't your brain just completely like bogged down and oversaturated from the last, especially doing this show, like the last eight years of the welterweight division? Like it's just yeah. been... Well, we've been, been waiting. Like, look, the very first episode that we did when we previewed Frotch Groves 2, there was a segment in that show where we talked about Manny Pacquiao re-upping with top rank after mm -hmm. he was flatlined by Marquez in their fourth fight. Yep. Right? And that contract, we talked about on our very first episode, we're 326 episodes in the 327th episode will be about Manny Pacquiao <laughs> and we were talking about man should he just hang it up yes <laughs> should he just hang it up you know it's like and we even did we even got to the point with him especially after the Mayweather debacle with the shoulder and everything we we're like just fucking go away yeah time's up 
Manny can stay. Everybody else needs to, <laughs> everybody else needs to go. We need to stop trying to kick out the senator from the Philippines. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hopefully, this statement that we think Virgil Ortiz is going to make in this fight against Aguidius Kavalaskis. Hopefully that is Virgil Ortiz opening the door for uh, these PBC welterweights to show them the way to retirement. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. like, go away. Here you go. Shoo, 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 shoo. Get off my porch. You know what you I mean? Want, like, go. You want none I, of this. I'm here now. Yeah. Go up to 154. Do whatever you're going to do. Just get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> DSG going to 154 to rain, son. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Let's get away from this. Um, let's get to the other main event of the weekend, Vin, uh, and then we can start the the shaft conditioning for the wanking that will commence in the preview for Pacquiao Spence. Um, John Real Casimero will actually fight Guillermo Rigondial uh, for the WBO Bantamweight Championship. Sorry, uh, Gilberto Mendoza came out and said that this time they're really going to consolidate belts so i can't mention because gilberto sent me the he sent me the the fucking apb the memo saying that uh they're getting rid of these belts so guillermo's interim upside down cake belt is not on the line here um john riel casimero guillermo rigandau then the last time was the last time rigandau fought we were there in attendance like right before the covid lockdown i believe so yes you know, I've given Guillermo Rigondeaux a really hard time on this show. And I think he's gotten a harder time than anybody on this show, to be honest with you. Yeah. And you rightfully know, it all, so. But it all it all stems from, you know, from the cult of Rigo. I mean, when that started, and it, and it really came to like a fever pitch, especially after he beat Nonito Donaire in the way that he did, um, that kind of sent a, you know, a shockwave. But the thing was, it wasn't followed up with anything. Guillermo Rigondeau, unfortunately for him, you know, you guys may think I'm going to lead into like a softening up stance on this guy. I really just want him to fucking go home. I, I don't want to watch Guillermo Rigondeau fight anymore. This guy is one of the biggest aberration in boxing history. You guys who can't, who sit there and fucking wax poetic and wank over the guy's stylistics and his attacking King Cobra striking ability and, you know, all this, that, and the other, you guys have fucking, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. Like, it's it's right in front of your face. The guy is awful. He's one of the worst fighters I've ever watched inside of the ring. Don't tell me about skill. Don't send me a fucking Lee Wiley video. I don't give a flying fuck about this salty, nasty old man. I don't care about him. He gave me, I've been to a lot of live fights. He gave me the worst live fight I have ever seen since Vyacheslav Glaskov versus the dingling man on the undercard of Alien Crusher. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, that was the, the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. He is so fucking overrated. So fucking boring. Go away, dude. You offer nothing to this fight card whatsoever. All you add is a fucking arrogant stench. And e- just the, the ego and the saltiness. This guy is a fucking bum. 
sauce. You know, I can't even make sense when I talk about this guy anymore, man. I'm done with him. I don't give a fuck about this fight. I'm not watching this fight. Guillermo Rigondeaux is as, as relevant in the fight game as my fucking three-incher in the, in the badge game. All right, son? <laughs> Look, dude, I couldn't. I will fucking echo everything <laughs> you fucking said. Like, when I'm looking at this day, you know, everybody, like, unboxing twitter something oh august 14th stack day four cards all day boxing all day it's gonna be great i mean i said at the beginning your second best fight of the day cannot involve guillermo rigandau the guy is just awful his career lately not even lately let's i mean we've been doing the show for long since we've been doing the show and i know everybody wants to point to Oh, he was the most ducked fighter. Okay. Did uh, uh, Scott Quigg and Carl Frampton duck him? Sure. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me present you this. Let's say that he had beaten Scott Quigg and Carl Frampton or one of them at this point. What does that elevate him to some fucking grand status? Like, so what? I, I'm not even sure he would have beaten the Carl Frampton back then. Scott Quigg, probably. But a prime Carl Frampton, maybe they shouldn't have been as scared as they were at totally the time. Agree. Totally agree. You know, agree. I, I think there was an aura that surrounded him where people just, they didn't even entertain the fact of fighting him when they probably should have. Because from the performances we've seen, I mean, you could go back to, what was it, Ishikawa, who dropped him a couple times, who was like a, a fringe top five fighter at the weight. It's just, I don't know, man. They're you got to look at it like this when you're a boxing fan and it comes to Rigando. What has he provided you from an entertainment perspective and, and, and any presented any value entertainment wise to you as a fight fan? I can't think of one other than looking at him and being like, this guy is the fucking worst. He's the worst. Not his skills. I get it. His skills are good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Watching him apply his craft is like fucking watching paint dry, dude. It's the worst. I don't care about him waiting for that perfect pull counter spot that he, oh, he didn't see it that round, but next round, just wait. He's going to pull counter a left hand and it's going to be in lights out. I'm <laughs> tired. I'm tired of that. I don't hey, fucking care about the you know, pull counters around. Fuck that shit. I'm done with it. But I would rather watch paint dry. But right? I probably would too. Yeah. No, no, seriously. I mean, I look, this just goes to show you how much it takes to entertain me. I will sit down on the couch in the evening and watch Bob Ross paint the same fucking painting that I watched him that I watched him paint 36 years ago on PBS in 1984 as a child, right? And I'm mesmerized by it. I am absolutely, it's the worst TV quality. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like you can barely see the painting when they're zoomed out on him and his Afro. But man, when that guy talks, it is just soothing. And I love watching his paint dry. But (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that to me is like riveting suspense. Bob Ross painting a cabin in the woods. (laughs) is more suspenseful than a fucking Guillermo Rigondeaux fight. 
period every day of the week oh my god i'd much rather watch bob do his thing oh man uh yeah you you know what man and i'm just tired i i I can't listen to the complaining anymore i mean the guy is he's fucking older than we are like get like good for you you look fantastic right you look you look great uh just get out there and you know fucking piss everybody off out of spite and be like, Oh, well, I'm just going to keep doing me. They need me. Oh, Oh, it's exhausting. Yep. If somebody would just step in there, fucking lower their chin and come forward on that motherfucker. Honestly, I don't, I'm not spiteful towards any other fighter except this guy. I hope John Riel Casimero, I hope he catches lightning in a bottle. I'm going to be doing a rain dance. I'm going to do everything I can. I don't, I don't honestly don't think he needs to. I don't think he needs to. He's the type of fighter to. to no, but the- he does. No, 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 no. You're talking about Rigo. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, needs needs he needs something special on Saturday night. I mean, I'm talking like miracle level. Yeah. Like, like Zeus meets Jesus level. Well, Miracles are happening on Saturday night. Jean Casare- Jean Riel Casamero is going to knock Rigo out at some point. Oh, I hope so. I will. I will applaud him. I will fly to wherever. I'll fly to the Philippines and take him out for fucking for sticky donuts or whatever they sell. Him. <laughs> the, 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 the jig is up. It's it's up. It's over after Saturday. Go go away, Rigo, and your cult. <laughs> they gonna dock your pay. Yeah, they gonna dock it for good. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get the news and notes. Vin, the zone's fat camp. So we briefly joned on it at the open of the show. Mm-hmm. Remember how we be joning on shit in this show and shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So here's the thing about about this fight camp compared to the first fight camp. The first fight camp seemed to be birthed out of necessity because of the pandemic. Like this was a great option and a good idea in an otherwise dead sports market, period. So, again, applause to Eddie Hearn and his creative team because they they seem to be the only people in the sport that can think outside the box at all, at all. They, the only one who's capable of a fucking unique thought, right? Um, at least one that's not 90 fucking five years old, right? Yes. So, but this seemed so contrived the production, the over-the-top, like how many fuck... There were more people from DAZN with microphones than there were any other group at the fat camp, even more than were in line for the elephant walk. I mean, that just goes to tell you. Uh, like, it was so overproduced. Like, you know, I like hearing interviews with Tony Bellew. I like hearing Andy Lee on the ringside call. But those guys filling dead air and dead space talking to each other while a video of kid fucking B-side Galahad walking in the slowest slow motion setting I've ever seen capable on a video. It was the most, I don't know, creative form of torture I've ever experienced in my, in my entire life. I don't know, man. There was just an arrogance, uh, there was it, it felt contrived, it felt fake, it felt fraudulent. There was no flow to it. It was way overproduced. But um, yeah, that's really the commentary that I have. I, I you know, whatever. I, I don't have a problem with Tony Bellew, but he's not a fucking presenter. So let's just no. stop giving <laughs> let's stop uh giving him responsibilities. Just set him up for fucking funny shit to say. 
the the whole uh game change thing isn't really working out too well now is it <laughs> but it is what it is see that's the joke people don't understand when i say like the 51st state being the uk i it's a joke for this one reason because that's what domestic level fights are in the uk they are the same thing as a domestic level fight in texas or a domestic right. level fight in washington dc this is the level of fighter you're talking about because we're talking about same population sample size, right? I mean, that's the joke. I'm, I know I'm not that funny, but geez, I got to fucking explain it to you. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, so that's what this is. We, we said it in the preview. This isn't for us. We're going to tune no. in, uh, pay our respects to somebody and, and get out. But, in the, uh, but the, the filler in between the fights, dude, you thought DAZN had problems before they added all these fucking clowns into the mix. Uh, transitioning in between fights. This isn't the answer to your biggest production problem you have. Yeah, I'm just I'm just glad I did not uh reserve any of my time yesterday for fight camp and and based on what I'm hearing, I don't think I'll be reserving any time for no. it. I I did exactly what you did. I went back later on in the day and and fast forwarded to when Ebony fought and then didn't watch any of the rest of it because I don't give a fuck about anybody else on that card, period. Yeah, but Jazza Dickens told us that whole story from Liverpool. It was so compelling, remember? <laughs> I'm out the Jazza Dickens game, son. <laughs> I'm talking about polar opposites of storytelling. <laughs> Jazza Dickens and Mark Kriegel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Canelo versus Plant is off. It's official. They're not. No, it's off. We did a, we, we did a show about it. <laughs> well, now it's back on. So. Yeah, of course. I, well, I just conversation. Is. <laughs> I just love how everybody like the whole the, the way this whole thing played out to me is just uh, fucking hilarious. Just watching every like just observing how people react to things in boxing and how carried away they get was shit it's like look who cared like i don't care that the fight isn't happening on mexican independence day i know boxing has some tie to that day because a uh black american fighter used to fight on it and now there's a mexican that can actually fight on mexican independence day you would think it would happen but for whatever reason Calo can't get fights across the finish line okay because he's some form of diva that you know everybody is now complaining about but the same people that are complaining about Canelo being a diva are also the same people that won't say the same thing about other divas in the sport, like Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, Miguel Cotto. All of them are all the same. You know, for, for Christ's sakes, Floyd Mayweather would request a certain number of colored M&Ms be placed at the table of his press conference when, for when he arrived there. Like, you got to understand to operate where canelo alvarez and floyd mayweather and these guys are it takes an enormous amount of ego you don't just go there and be a humble person that's just like a oh yeah no you have to you have to possess that level of ego to to be able to compete at that level any athlete in any sport is like that whether you get to see it or not is another thing it just so happens that in boxing we hear so much about these fucking negotiations that we see the diva come out but guess what, man? At the end of the fucking day with all these negotiations and you're the PBC 
and you kind of you put your foot down on a couple things that you didn't want to let go of, and Canelo did the same on his end, and it fell apart, and Canelo walked away. I would suggest this to the PBC. Put your fucking bullshit aside, okay? Uh, any little, like, you have to approve the replacement opponent. Why? Why do you have to approve it? Who gives a fuck? Do you want Canelo Alvarez on your platform? You're going to have to give in. That's that's the breaks. That's the name of the game. That's the business. I'm not going to feel sorry for you if you don't get them because you didn't want to come off of a couple little things in the contract, a couple little clauses that you weren't willing to give in on. Yes, we get it. Canelo's a diva. You knew that coming in, okay? you telling me that all those contract negotiations and shit you went through with Floyd Mayweather weren't the same way? Give me a break. You know the game. You know the player. Let's make it happen. Put your Tuck your pride aside for a little bit and give Canelo what he fucking wants because that's what's going to happen at the end of the day and get the fight across the finish line. And guess what? It's seven weeks later than it was supposed to be. You think I give a fuck that I had to wait seven more weeks to watch Canelo Alvarez beat Caleb Plant? I do not care at all. I, I to, to me, this this whole negotiation, I I I, I kind of just I'm not. Eh, it's it's eh to me. I, I, it exposed some diva activity that I already knew about. Apparently, some people didn't. Now they know about it, and it also exposed some things about the PBC and the way they do business. Both sides were at fault. You want the fight to get made, you give in to the redheaded king of the sport. That's all there is to it, period. End of story. Yeah, you got to eat that spotted dick. That's that's the yeah. <laughs> that's the entree. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, Canelo is the all-powerful here. Like, that's just all there is to it, you know? And, and, and people that argue elsewise are, you know, clearly don't recognize that their favorite fighters, or I should say their favorite fighter, um, you know, actually wrote the playbook on this. I mean, did you hear what uh, Floyd Mayweather's personal ball washer had to say about uh, about the negotiations, Leonard Ellerby. Do you hear no. what he said? No. <laughs> he goes, Canelo clearly doesn't want that smoke from Jermall. I mean, we got Benavidez. We got, we got Plant. I mean, what is there not to like here? We got all these opponents for him. And I'm sitting here for a second. This, this guy. I mean, this fucking testicle-washing motherfucker. Right? <laughs> Dude, how about this? How about you match those guys against one another in-house in the meantime? Mm. I mean, come on, man. They want all their fucking protected fighters to be, no, they all got to be A-side so they can't fight one another. You got to come over here and blah, blah. It's like, look, if you are if you are a fighter that's playing the fucking waiting game for Canelo Alvarez and literally not doing shit until that offer is brought to you, like you're just sitting around waiting for that offer to fall in your lap and you're not going to do anything in the meantime to make that offer come to you, then I don't give a fuck about you anymore. If you're that guy that's sitting back and just waiting for that one fight, I don't care. I do not care. And that goes for Triple G as well. Like I get it. He's at the end of his career. But if you're just going to pity patter around the sport just waiting for Canelo to throw you a bone. You know, I, I just, I'm not interested in these guys. Do something else with your career. And, and guess what? You make some noise and Canelo may come calling 
because you have a value that other people do not have. Just, I'm, I'm tired of these guys and the, and the, well, I'm just going to wait around till I get that, you know, that, that life changing Canelo offer. Nah, man, no, it's, uh, you're doing nothing for your career. And, and it's just, it's obnoxious as a fight fan to watch these guys do that. Well, if they make this fight against Caleb Plant, Canelo Alvarez is definitely going to do something for Caleb Plant's career. Oh. He's gonna fucking, he's gonna, he's gonna beat the brakes off of him. Yeah, um, it's just a fight. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to. I, I could give a rat's fuck about Canelo Alvarez collecting all these belts. I, I just don't give a shit anymore. The sanctioning bodies, all these greedy motherfuckers. I don't care about any of them or any of their fucking belts that need to be put in the bin immediately. And. Every single person that fucking lofts up these belts and, and, and forks over their hard-earned money to these greedy sons of bitches needs a fucking... Uh, they need an ice bucket challenge to the dome, okay? <laughs> Seriously, man. Fucking wake the fuck up. Like, I, this fight, I've been saying it from day one. Canelo is going to destroy Caleb Plant. He's not prepared for this fight, no. you know? No. He's not prepared for it. But I do love my boy David Benavidez. You hear what he said about Uskatagi? He goes, no. uh, he's like, man, Uskatagi got that look in his eyes. Like, he coming to fight. All right, I'm ready to fuck this motherfucker up. He's like, we're gonna have a he's like, we're gonna have a fucking barn burner. He's like, I can see it in his eyes. He wants that. <laughs> I'm like, this guy is demented. What is wrong with him? Dude, Eddie, you know, there's an interview I saw this past week where he just he's so fucking raw and he just doesn't give a fucking call on everybody in that division in the PBC. Just a big bunch of pussies. Charlo, plant. All those guys. And it's just, you can see, like, he's saying it with stone-faced seriousness, like, fuck all these pussies. I will I will beat the brakes off of all of them. But they don't want it. And that's why it'll never happen. Mm. Mm. Gotta love the PBC protecting fighters from PBC fighters. What a, what a solid game plan, right? <laughs> um, all right, uh, Vin. Vasily Lomachenko um, is... Ooh. I hope he's not fighting Richard Comey. If he, I hope so if, he too. if he if if he fights Richard Comey, then we're no longer going to acknowledge Top Rank as a as a as a company. We hardly do now. <laughs> I know that's very true. They have a fight um, going on this weekend that we ain't talking about. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> I, I missed that. <laughs> um, actually, no, I, I'm not going to miss it at all. But Vasily Lomachenko, Devin Haney, Tiafimo Lopez. Ryan Garcia. Where's Ryan Garcia? Nobody knows. Tiafimo Lopez kind of being a little baby for being the undisputed world champion. I mean, yeah. he wanted that. He wanted that loot. But, we, you know, but when they tell you where they want you to fight, oh, no, I'm not a real world champion. Right. <laughs> That's what it says to me. Like, you don't want to go to Australia and bang this dude out real quick. Yeah. Like, what's the problem? Yeah. You're going to get paid handsomely or you want to stay back. I mean, so, anyways, Tio is kind of. Him and Ryan Garcia, let's be honest, and then Tank acting in, you know, operating in that regular world with all them regular belts. Um, it's like Loma and Haney are both standing here, right? It's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, so apparently, conversations have commenced b- between Camp Loma and Camp Haney. Is this true, Vin? Uh, I mean, there's at least been some uh, preliminary talks, some uh, numbers thrown around. And from the numbers that I've heard, you know, uh, you may think that, you know, Devin Haney is overvaluing himself based on that number. And he very well could be. But uh, at a certain point to get the fights that you want to get, sometimes you have to dig deep, reach into those, reach into those pockets. 
Dig that wallet out of there. You got money. You got money. That fight will sell, man. And, and you know, whatever Devin Haney wants, and I get it, you know, coming into a negotiation. He, he, Devin Haney, I uh, this is one of the funny things about it when it comes to him. Like, people will defend his position in the sport and all this and all that. And Devin Haney acts like he has a value that is completely overvalued in, in the long run. Really, what he is asking for in this fight, he's not worth that. He personally is not worth that as a fighter. It's hard to like justify doing that. But in boxing, in order to make the fights, the big fights that need to be made, guess what happens? And we've seen it with top rank here lately with every Terrence Croft. They don't want to pay Porter. They don't want to pay this guy. Well, who do you want to pay? If you want to pay a bunch of stiffs or you want to pay the likes of guys of Richard Comey who will take short money, who'll take that you know, $900,000 or whatever. So you can profit a little bit, or you can be able to make money on a fight. I didn't tell you to get into the boxing business top rank. You've been in it long enough. Like this is the fight that should be made. You know, it, every fight fan knows it. I don't want to, I don't care about, it's not worth it to you guys. It doesn't, sorry, that's the position you're in. Like this is the fight that should be made. Uh, dig deep, make the fucking fight happen, man. Cause a Richard Comey fight or a no, you know, whoever else you're going to bring in to fill in. Okay. Yeah. It might be fine. Whatever. Oh, it'll be on ESPN. It's another Loma fight. You know, it'll be a ho-hum blah, blah, fucking whatever. I, that's fine. You want to do that? Do that. You're not doing anything for Loma. You're not doing anything for top rank. So just continue with your status quo of, we don't want to pay for anything because that's where they're at right now. That's what that's what I see is we're not interested in paying for good boxing. Maybe they shouldn't have signed that that shitty deal with ESPN. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if that money is so game changing, why is it that they've been using the same exact fucking set for 30 years? Like where's the money going? Like honestly, look I'm not going to sit there and drop what these what these financials are, but I'm going to tell you right now, Devin Haney ain't asking for $10 million. No. De- Devin Haney's not asking for $7 million. Devin Haney's not even, he's not asking for $5 million. He's not asking for $4 million. So here's the thing. I don't want to fucking hear it. Pay it. Make the fight. If, you, if you're cool making Loma versus Comey while you wait to see what T.O.'s doing and you know, blah, blah, blah. Look, man. Top rank is getting left the fuck behind, okay? They are a bunch of old dinosaurs. Somebody who's worth $300 million doesn't want to make one of the biggest fights and one of the best matchups in boxing because the B-side, who technically doesn't work for him, wants to be paid what he's been getting paid for other fights? That That is not... Like, don't come at me and act like, oh, well, he's asking for too much. No, he's not. He's asking for what he gets paid. Whether we think it's overvalued or not, Eddie Hearn set the Devin Haney market. And the Devin Haney market is big enough, and there's a fan base enough to go along with Lomachenko's audience that what I agree, the buzz, the hype, celebrities would get behind this one, I'm telling you. Guys like Damian Lillard that are diehard, that have huge social media pre- uh, presences in other athletic areas would sweat this shit, promote the hell out of it. 
they would get so much positive PR from this show, right? And other shows. But I can't wrap my head around not wanting to make the fight because the guy who doesn't work for you, you want to fucking rip him off? Like, get fucking get over yourself. Don't cry poor when you, the owner of the company, is worth a quarter billion dollars. Yeah, come on. Well, I know you don't build an empire like that by fucking spending all your money on bullshit. Well, guess what? That's all you guys do is spend your money on bullshit. I just, I can't wrap my head around anything that's going on right now, man. Like, if it's in-house and it makes sense for them, that's fine. Look, when Bob goes away, maybe all this stuff changes. When he finally retires or, you know, fucking goes wherever liberals go after they die. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just sell the fucking company, man. Like, if you're going to be so uninspired and, like, no creativity, using the same set for the last 30 years with your fucking matchmakers that, have, that were inducted in the Hall of Fame when I was in high school, okay? I mean, come on, man. It's, it's it, you know, it's not unlike, like, but, like, how dare you disrespect Bob that way? Well, hold on a second. It's not unlike Dr. Fauci with the COVID thing. Well, how, how dare us criticize Dr. Fauci because look what he did for AIDS, right? Well, that's fine. That happened, okay? But today he's slipping. Today he lying. That ain't the same Dr. Fauci. He passed his prime. So I'm allowed to make new assessments and judgments based off of current information and data. And Bob and his crew at top rank are past their primes. I would say that's a fair assessment based on what we've seen lately. And, and look, man, just put it to you like this, like just from a simple, like, obviously, if Devin Haney Lomachenko happens with the money involved, it's most likely going to have to be a pay-per-view fight. Mario Barrios and Tank Davis were able to do roughly 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Devin Haney and Lomachenko will do more than that. So don't tell me you can't make money on this fight. Get creative. Figure it the fuck out and make it fucking happen. I don't want to hear, ah, yeah, just wasn't there. The value's not there for us, so we're not doing it. Well, it, looks, it sounds like you need some new appraisers. Yeah, let, let's, let's figure it out here, guys. Make the fight. Yeah, we're just going to stage a hostile takeover of top rank. Uh, Vin and I are going to take over from here on moving forward. We're not, we're not going to need any of you to report to the office on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a kamikaze mission, but you'll get some good shit along the way. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like when uh, uh, when fucking Kevin Nash started making the matches at, w <laughs> at WCW when <laughs> they let him in charge. <laughs> you might get some steel cage matches on Monday Nitro, but it's all going to come crumbling down fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so to be continued on the Lomachenko Haney front. But if they don't make this, it'll be top rank's fault, period. Yes. Um, all right, two questions and let's get out of here, Vin. This one comes from Scott Lame, one of our Patreon subscribers. Did either of you see the robbery of the year last night between Michael Fox and Gabriel Maestre? Uh, Fox won at least 10 rounds plus, in my opinion, and a 10-8 round, but lost the decision. Um, Vin, what say you about this? Uh, I happened to tur turn it on right as this fight started. I, I was able to watch the whole thing, and let me fucking tell you, this is the worst fucking robbery that I have ever, ever watched, ever, and not even fucking close. 
and to have a 117-111 scorecard in favor of Maestre, who literally was dropped once and chased Fox around the ring while getting plucked every round consistently. I mean, just, it was basically a whitewash. It's basically a whitewash. Scott's right. It it was 11-1, 10-2. Good luck finding three rounds. Okay? Good luck finding three rounds for Maestre in that fight. You ain't going to do it. And to have those scores read out in a majority decision for Maestre, who is a 34-year-old who apparently has legit boxing people and boxing money behind his career as an old man who came out of the amateurs late, you know, oh, hmm. So he's the guy that gets this gift of all gifts and is able to snag this WBA interim 147-pound championship, absolutely robbing fucking Fox, just robbing him, okay? I, I, I've never, ever, ever seen anything like it in my fucking life. So coming back to that, 117 111 card later on in the night some people start doing some digging on this lady Ooh, well <laughs> apparently oh. i can't I, her, her name is slipping my mind right now but apparently she's not too fond of the black people ken <laughs> <laughs> she is not too fond of the blacks let me tell you and uh so uh, look, an, ov- an overtly racist judge slips through the cracks. Uh, overtly, like big time racist. Like there's no like borderline racism here. Like you can't defend anything she said at so all. So it's not. It's not. It's not like this new age like zenial racism. No, no, it is not that. It is. It's not that at all. So it's like it's like MLK civil rights racism. Yeah, it's, this is, I'm an old lady, and I didn't, I never grew up and changed my old ways of thinking racism. And, yeah. And, it, and it's just, dude, oh, it got brutal. passed around Twitter last night. Everybody saw it. It even comes to Fox, and he's like, well, shit, <laughs> I lost this motherfucker before it even started. God damn, this bitch is wild. It's like. It dude, seems fake. It does, but it's not. And this is the level of like these sanctioning bodies. They don't do any fucking. They're not doing any investigative work and see like they just bring these people on. There's these judges and and, and the way they handle these situations. Like, honestly, that was a life changing experience for Fox last night. And you just you ripped it from them and you handed it to this guy. Literally, if the WBA does not step in and uphold that decision and investigate these people or flat out change it and say, whoops, they scored on the wrong side of the scorecard. Uh, they, they got the guys mixed up while they were scoring the fight. Cause this is, I, I'm telling you right now, it is the absolute worst fucking decision I've ever seen piled on top of the worst scorecard and the worst decision being an, an absolute racist who, who, who scored it clearly from a racist perspective. It's like, this is a bad fucking look, man. You might want to do something about this. But wouldn't it just be boxing to not do anything about it? Yeah, it would. I, they don't care. Oh, man. Yeah, at least at least whoever this bitch is, like, just fucking uh, send her out to sea. You know yes. what I mean? Um, all right, let's get to another question and get out of here, Vin. Um, Marcellus, one of our Patreon subscribers, asks, 
What's the path forward for Josh Taylor? Um, seems like he could be in limbo with this Tio fight, possibly being tied up with this Loma rematch. And welterweight seems to be tied up at the moment with a possible Crawford Porter fight. I don't know. I don't really view it as a tie up. And I'm not sure with Josh Taylor's mandatory coming up that that's really that big of a deal. So if Jack Catterall is the next fight in Scotland or um, in, a, in a homecoming fight for Josh Taylor, what's the path forward after that? Yeah, I mean, we're going to see him fight December 18th, you know, the week before Christmas in, in Scotland. Uh, he's going to get his mandatory out of the way. I think it's more of just like a, you know, bring him home, let him let him fight in front of his home fans, kind of an appreciation type of deal for for a fighter that's that's done everything that's asked of him up until this point. Um, and, and the next step forward is 147. You know, where he goes at 147, my guess is it's not going to be right into a Crawford fight or right into a really big fight. But if it is, I'm all for it. And, and I, you know, if you're Josh Taylor right now in your career, you are in your prime, but that window is not, it's not wide open right now. So you got a couple years to get your work in right here. So you don't want to waste too much time. So I, I, I would expect that in 20, by the end of 2022, we see Josh Taylor in a, whether it's for a belt or an eliminator for a belt or whatever the case is, you're, we're going to see him in against a big time welterweight opponent by the second half of 2022. Yeah. I mean, look, Jack Catterall was a nice prospect and he's got a solid foundation but there's a reason why we didn't hear about Jack Catterall again after I think he made an honorable mention on one of our prospect lists like yeah. a, a while ago. Um, so, yeah, it is just that. It, it'll be a complete uh, domination, a display, and a, and a thanks to his fans for sure. Hopefully it's not uh, one of those homecoming slip-ups, but I don't think so this, this go-around. No. It, it, Catterall doesn't – look, it, it kind of ties into my next point on what you were saying regarding – you know, where's the where's the end of of the career for for Josh Taylor? Because you're right, it's the way that he fights, mm-hmm. and he fights so physically, and so he's you know what I mean. He's just a physical fighter. It's a, it's it's really the only way take to shot, describe. He takes shots. He takes shots. He, he, he takes them to give them. Uh, there's no doubt. And this style of fighter, it's very um, Francisco Vargas esque. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like like Vargas was in like was he in was he in back to back fights of the year Ring Magazine fights of the year Yeah something like that Yes or at least nominated I know he he, he the one against Salito for sure But then it was like dude this guy can't fight like this forever man No <laughs> I mean my boy Vargas is fucked up man Don't let them, don't let him fight anymore Look <laughs> Josh isn't anywhere near that I get it But that could be his end you know yeah in the way in the way that he fights so yeah you don't want to be fucking messing around too much Catterall it's a nice opponent for a homecoming uh you know totally fine with this it'll be a spectacle like I say I'm all about spectacle well then again if top rank is allowed to travel across the pond it won't be a spectacle (laughs) they'll fucking put it in a an 800 seat barn and they'll fucking ship over you know those fucking Walmart you know the Christmas lights that 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 Put like the little dots, the laser dots on your house. That's what Top Rank uses for their lighting system. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them come over. <laughs> Hire the guys that built the stadium at the Titanic Quarter for the uh, for the Frampton fight, fucking seven years, six years ago. You know, oh uh. man. Um, yeah, dude. It's just one of these things. Like, 
I, I don't think that it's it, it's going to have much of an impact. Uh, Tiafimo Loma, he's past that. After Catterall, it's one forty-seven. Who's who? That's against. I don't know. I'm not even so sure. Should Crawford? You know, the way fucking Bob Arum's talking shit about Crawford, he's he's headed to the PVC. That that contract's already signed or something. Right. The way that to, that that top ranks acting all jilted towards Bud. Um. So that fight, that ship may have sailed. Right. Um, hopefully Taylor's relationship with top rank doesn't last, um, you know, long enough to where top rank ends up putting Josh Taylor in the same position that Terrence Crawford was like, Hey Josh, you don't want to be the placeholder for Terrence. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to step in that. You don't want to step in that role for the company because ain't shit going to happen for your career. Yeah. Period. I can see it now. Can Terrence Crawford is uh he leaves for the PBC in November and there's a vacant WBO belt that is fought for by Josh Taylor and uh whoever at 147 in top rank. <laughs> whoever. And you know what? Top rank may even recycle a Jose Ramirez fight by that point, you know what I mean? <laughs> they they very well could. Which I think the second version of that fight doesn't go very well. Not for Mr. Mr. Ramirez. Um, I, that'll do it, Vin. We went over our time limit here, but there were some passionate, heated conversations. <laughs> Always is, brother. Always is. <laughs> well, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 326 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Please subscribe to the show anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, if you please. Um, check out the video on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Subscribe, get your questions answered, get some swag to the pay-per-view clout tier on patreon.com backslash boxing rant if you want to help support the show monetarily follow us on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr we'll be back with a big week next week as we preview manny pacquiao versus errol spence you're not going to miss that plus the post fight from all this garbage that we just vomited all over you so look forward to that as well but we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 326 of the boxing rant podcast but I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get it.